You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Pasikala. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is a result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. And I say, hey, hey what a wonderful time, time today day. where we can learn to work Aye. and play Aye. and get along with each other. <laughs> listen to the hut. Listen to, your, to the street. Listen, listen to, to the, the rhythm. rhythm. Listen the rhythm to, to the, the beat. beat. <laughs> well, yo, yo, yo! What up? Welcome to another episode of Three AM. He's Charlie. <laughs> He's DJ. <laughs> I hate both of you. <laughs> who are? Yeah, who are who you? This? <laughs> Dude, who are you, bro? <laughs> Sean's shaking his That's head. Salt boy, Sean. Oh. <laughs> 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 we're on episode 21 we're excited damn is episode 21 or is this yes. 22 this is 22 we just recorded episode 21 this is episode 22 uh welcome to the podcast if you don't know what this is we're a group of friends who sh- routinely get together and tell each other scary stories and then one day we decided to record it so that's what this is we're happy you're here with us hanging out uh we've gone on discovered and found some new scary stories so we're gonna share them tonight yeah 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 but before we do that as always we have our question of the episode and it is let me think (laughs) can we usually have a jar of questions from our listeners but we don't have that jar today it's been temporarily misplaced is there a scooby-doo episode that you solved before the mystery bunch did that's a dumb question (laughs) yes or no yes there is yes (laughs) i don't know the question is do you like the taste of blood no dude some people do what yeah (laughs) I remember I remember when I was a kid and like if somebody like scraped their knee or like their arm or something once in a while there would be a kid who would like wipe off the blood and then like suck it or just suck it straight. No? Haven't you heard people say they like the taste of blood like the iron? Well, I've done that. Yeah, I've done it too, yeah, but like, like out everyone's of like first like ghetto first aid. Dude, in the Philippines yeah. they make blood soup. Like that is an actual uh, food that they eat. I don't know why my first instinct for this question was like to go to human blood. <laughs> I didn't even think about like food. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do know like some Kenyan or Ethiopian tribes eat like Those milk and blood. blood. Yeah. Have you seen them where they just like poke the yeah, cow in the neck and then just like yeah, get collect it and then they're like... You gotta oh. stay hydrated. They have like that blood mustache. Mm. Nice. Got blood. <laughs> yeah, taste of blood. What about like a rare steak? Oh yeah. I F's with that steak when it's still a little bloody. Mooing. Dang it. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah? Yeah. I for sure love rare. Yeah. To medium rare to rare. Rare once in a while. I'm I always just go medium, medium rare. rare. That's what Which I isn't that for. It, medium rare is not that much further off. Actually, quite literally, the next step of steak tenderness. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I like the taste of blood. I mean, if we talk in strictly human blood, then yeah, I'm not about it. But like, if there's a little blood on a steak, yeah, no, I'm about that. All I know is that I've heard people say, I kind of like the taste of blood. Who, when who are you hanging out with? Human blood. I don't know. But also like, if I'm bleeding, I'm going to suck on a little bit to stop the bleeding. It's yeah. for a useful purpose. Everyone's done that, but few people say that they they like, like that taste. So yeah, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Same. Question is, what's the meanest thing you ever hoped happened to someone? Legitimately, just people that cut me off in traffic. I like kind of hope they get in an accident every once in a while. Do you have road rage? No, actually, I'm pretty good with it. I do not. I don't think I do. I have to ask the people sure with do, me. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on it. I don't know what it is, man. I get so impatient and I say some choice words. I don't know. I feel like everybody has like had like malintent against like the worst people. Like you see like some serial killer on the news or something. Oh, so everyone's like, yeah, I'd like love to like have a jab at that dude, you know? Yeah. That's too easy in my opinion though. It's like I'm talking about like on a daily basis. Oh. I know at least for me, I've like He's like Sometimes Charles. I like like I pray for like unfortunate and like uncomfortable things to happen to people. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> Just like real quick. You're cursing people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Hawaiian magic. Yeah. You're Turn a the bad... stupid fat rat yellow. <laughs> You're a bad kahuna, bro. <laughs> Nah, uh, I don't know. Like, some people are just like not nice. I'm just like, I feel true. you, bro. Like, I wish they just had perpetually wet socks for the rest of their lives, or like walk around with a wet fart the rest of their life, or like a popcorn kernel stuck in their teeth for the rest of their life, or just have all these hangnails, Ooh. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> or have uh, keep biting their tongue, yo, or not be able to breathe out of their nose. All right, I'm excited to I'm excited to share stories tonight. Same. We got to find out who's gonna go first. All Does right. anyone want to roll first? You do. You're holding do, the dice. Do you. Cool. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy. In a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. 
uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Frick. Six. DJ just went. Seven. (laughs) And he got a seven. Beats me. 18. Oh. <laughs> I, Sean got an 18. So that means we get to choose who goes first, right? No, no you, you go, go first. first. <laughs> Highest number goes first. Okay, so last week we were talking a lot about minors. Uh, are you talking about children or people of the earth? <laughs> people of the earth. People earthing but the earth. The earth. Um, so it reminded me of a little something down in Arizona that is a little bit of an urban legend. I don't know how many of you out there have heard of Superstition Mountain. (laughs) It sounds like Gravity Falls. (laughs) As much as that sounds like a cartoon lair, um, it's an actually real place. (laughs) It is a real place. We'll post a picture on our Instagram of Superstition Mountain for all of you non-believers out there. Okay, Okay. tell us about this mountain. (laughs) So, um, it was believed by the Apaches to be the place of what they called the thunder god and also a place where he kept his treasures like gold and like minerals like precious minerals and stuff like that now because of these legends that the apaches told soon enough the jesuit priests that were coming up through new mexico and arizona heard of it and strangely enough these priests instead of like telling people they just told the apaches to keep it secret however the conquistadors also found out and they come running up on superstition mountain trying to find all the gold and you know they start killing the apaches so now furthermore there's a legend of apache spirits that also live in near superstition mountain and protect the mines now somewhere in all of this kind of transition period where the uh white men are showing up taking all the land about 1852 i'd say there was a man named jacob wentz i think and he was from dutch or uh he was dutch (laughs) weren't they holland spoke holland he was spoke holland (laughs) (laughs) a man from dutch who spoke holland and so he uh meets three men that knew where a mine were and convinces them to take him And the way this story goes is he ends up killing these men and takes the location of the mine with, like, he's the only one who knows now. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's a dick move, probably. Manifest destiny. (laughs) Now, he would start showing up in town with gold. And so people started following him when he would go back out into the mountains. And he would always end up losing them or he would end up killing them and they would not come back. 
uh, supposedly he would be the one killing them. Uh-huh. You think everybody would like catch on at some point? <laughs> you would think. It's also like the 1800s. It's a really <laughs> steep and rocky like mountain as well. So unless you know the way up, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And I'll post it on on our Instagram so you guys can see that. But um, at one point, Jacob ends up dying uh, on his way up to Superstition Mountain and taking the location of this mine with him to his grave. Now, even to this day, there are hundreds of people that have gone missing around Superstition Mountain. And I'm not talking just random people. These are experienced hikers, experienced like uh, spelunkers. experienced tigers. That's exactly what I heard. <laughs> Can you just go with that? Y'all need to clean out your ears. <laughs> Straight up, though, I was like, I thought that was like a term for like an outdoorsman or something. So, what the, what? So no, uh, legitimately, they're experienced hikers that are going out and just getting lost and never coming back. Hmm. So that's part of why this is so mysterious to people is that they never find bodies. Like they end up just being gone. Hmm. So there's stories Wait, still, still, till still, today? still. Oh. People are still disappearing. People are still disappearing. And it's at this point, state owned property. And you can go out there, but you're recommended to stay on the hiking paths. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. Man, I wonder if it's the work of a serial killer or just, like, accidents, because that's believable, you know. I mean, possibly. I think I lean more towards the accidents because it's kept going on since 1852, Ah. to my knowledge. Or portals. Portals. Dude, that's my, my... So... I talked about it a little bit last week. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to the MU episode. But they talk about the Devil's Hole in Death Valley, California. Bro. Like just the story they share is about these four friends. Two of them are, I think, brother-in-laws. And they go cave diving quite a bit. And they go down to Death Valley, this Devil's Portal, and they go cave diving in it. Wow. Four go in, two return. And they have no idea what happened to the other two. They Whoa. dove 400 feet down into this hole. It's filled with water? It's a tube filled with water that goes down about 200 feet, opens into a cavern, huge cavern, 400 by 30. At the bottom of that cavern is another hole. Go down there and they could see that that went down for at least another 100 feet and they have no idea more. I Wait, they can't go down further? They they did 300 feet, and really experienced divers have gone 400 plus and haven't reached the bottom. Yeah, that's nuts. Also, in this area, there's, um, uh, I, I don't know, the indigenous people around there have like a ton of folklore about this hmm. hole. They even talk about the shaman using it as a portal to get to the other like dimension to speak to like the spirits or whatever. Australia? The other dimension. Oh, yeah. The upside down. The upside down. (laughs) Godforsaken place. (laughs) That is kind of wild that that's as far as they've gone down. Caving is... I'm not about it. Dude, that reminds me of that place out there in Favens, Texas. Favens? I mean, I I don't know if I can tell this story, if it's copyright or whatever, but Mm. you should check it out. Yeah, maybe just tell our viewers. If you want a really good story scary story to listen to it's it's told by that teacher and he he tells it really well he's a really good storyteller yeah but it's called the kimberly story that's what it was yeah fun yeah you'll have to find it on your own or we'll post a link to it somehow 
Yeah. It's just a fun story. It really is. It's one of the first stories that I heard like on the internet and like one of the first ones that like at first I was like kind of convinced that like a lot of it was true. Oh, me too. And was actually like pretty terrifying. Ter- pretty terrified like the first time I heard it. Well, just a little sh- short part of the Kimberly story. She at one point is found inside like the air ducts of a house and you could hear her voice from the walls and from the vents saying, I'm watching you. <laughs> and the first time I heard that, like it, like vents freaked me out for a good little bit. I don't know, for like a week or two. And uh, Charles, Sean, and Jordan, they were all roommates um, back when they were in school. And I wasn't rooming with them. I was like just getting to know them and hang out with them and started telling like scary stories and stuff. And they had a vent in their bathrooms. Every time I'd use a bathroom, (laughs) I would like, it was too uncomfortable to like look up because it was like right above my head and use a bathroom. So I would just like use like my selfie mode camera on my phone (laughs) and look up at the vent just in case Kimberly would come out and I would like keep my hand above my head like ready to punch her. His fist is all cocked. Mid air. Yeah. Yeah. My my hand is in the air and my other hand is on my phone. And then the worst part is I had to let go of one of those things to finish my business. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that, that went on for about a week or two. You're just terrified of vents. Terrified of vents. And the vent was like, I don't know, three by six inches. You never know. Yeah, you yeah, don't know, dog. Know. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's my favorite thing about um, good scary stories is that they linger with you. And they like affect the way you live for a little bit. The ones that affect you, those are like, those are good ones. Yeah. Those like, are the ones we're looking for. Like Psycho changed how people showered like people started locking their their doors or i remember growing up i would like always look outside the curtain to see if somebody was there uh jaws changed the whole perception of sharks (laughs) the entire perception of sharks is ruined because of that movie yep totally (laughs) it's terrifying (laughs) i'm glad you brought up that cave story or that mountain story reminded me of another one that happened actually here in Utah in 09. Nutty Putty? Yes. What? I was reading about this like a couple months ago. Totally forgot to write it down to share it. It just reminded me about that. How do you know about it? I know a guy that played a guy in a movie they made about Nutty Putty. Whoa. That's crazy. Have you ever heard about Nutty Putty? What the hell is Nutty Putty? <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, let's turn to our, our crew members. Laugh track. My friend... Married the wife of the last dude that died in Nutty Putty. Wow. Your friend married the wife. Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's like a thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. thing. So Nutty Putty Cave. That's what it is. And it's like south of Utah Lake, which we've lived in Utah Valley with Utah Lake for all of us together, five to seven years. Wait. It's like over there? Yep. Yes. Yep. What? Yes. Okay. So, like, you drive to, like, South Utah Lake, and you hit this dirt road, and you go for a while, and then you find Nutty Putty Cave, and the entrance, it's not even in the mountain. It's, like, on the ground. flat land, like a pile of rocks almost, and the hole to the cave is the size of a washing machine. 
and it gets a. <laughs> Sean's rendition of Nutty Putty. <laughs> Sean is Nutty Puttied in his chair. Boy, go check your pants. <laughs> no, but have you noticed? It's like a new thing to measure things in in uh, washers and dryers. Yes, actually, <laughs> what is that? I saw it was like on Reddit and Twitter about how Americans are so confusing with like measuring anything, and they like screenshotted an article, and it was like. <laughs> Some newspaper in like Iowa or something that's like a high speed car crash on the I eighty three caused a pile up of up to the size of fifty seven washers. Yeah. <laughs> it was like what? How about you just use yeah. the things that got into the accident? <laughs> well you literally just said like the hole is the size of a washer. But that's what, like, what that's what, what I that's what I read. Okay. So yeah. But Yes, the whole the entrance to this cave is the size of like a washer. Okay. Not the washer itself, the hole that you put your clothes into. Okay. Yeah. So like a manhole cover of a sewer. Yes. <laughs> That's way better, thanks. But uh it it gets bigger when you go inside, but there's a lot of different what what do you call it? Like pa- caverns and caverns pathways, okay. you know. And the name of this dude who goes down, his name is this is going to sound fake because it's like the most basic name. John Jones. That's oh, the, his actual the name. The UFC fighter. <laughs> <laughs> no, John Jones, he was 26, dude, when this happened. And this was in 09. He's with his family. It's around Thanksgiving time. They all get together for Thanksgiving. And growing up, they would go exploring caves. Like their family. They just did that a lot. And um, so they're really excited to go. Him and his brother are like best friends. I think it's his younger brother just by like a couple years. And uh, they haven't gone since they were like teenagers. They've just been busy with college. John is married. He has like one kid at the time oh, and another one on the way. But Sorry about making fun of your name, bro. They're exploring through the caves and they find one part that goes off. And they decide to break off from their family. It's like him, his brother, and like two others. And John goes first. He's like six feet tall from what I was reading. And about 200 pounds. And he finds this one crevice and it gets smaller and smaller and he's crawling. And he gets to the point where he can't really maneuver himself to go backwards because it starts going down and he's going head first. Gosh, that is like anxiety. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. And uh, he has like his headlamp. He can see ahead and... he, he sees as it goes a little deeper, he, he thinks it gets a little bit wider. So he wants to go down in there, turn around, and then come back up. Oh. There's one part where as he's crawling through, he has to hold his breath to make it through that crack. And at this point, he's pretty much completely upside down. And he's like, there's no way for me to go backwards, so I'm going to go in, turn around, and come back up. So he holds his breath. Makes his the, the frame of his body smaller and he like shoves his way in and he's like almost like pulling himself with his fingers. That's how tight it is. And he gets through that part and it opens up just a little bit more. 
But at this point, he realizes that the cave almost kind of ends and doesn't get wider. And now he's past that crack where he had to hold his breath to get through. And his feet are hanging out of that side. This is the most stress I've been in this story since we started the podcast. It's actually so, so sad. His brother tries to rescue him. And he can hear him. He's like, I'm stuck. Can you just pull me out? And it reminds him of a time when he they were younger and their dad got stuck while exploring some caves. And it wasn't super bad, but like if the dad was there by himself, he would have been done. But his family was there to help like pull him out and he was fine. And he was like, oh, this is fine. Yeah, we'll pull him out. Whatever. He gets he gets there and he, he realizes, wow, this is super tight. But I think we can do this. He's like pulling as hard as he can. And his brother, John, who's stuck, comes up like a, maybe like two inches. And as soon as he lets go, he like sinks back in. So when that happens, the brother realizes this is actually really serious. So they call 911. Yeah, there was about like a hundred plus people like there trying to work on getting him out. That's sad. Professional climbers, canyoneers or whatever. S-A-R. Um, yeah, as well as, you know, your EMTs and whatnot. And out of the over 100 people, only like five people can make it to where Even John where the was at is. and the brother is at. That's how small this place is, you know? Yeah. And it's pretty intricate. They drew up, after all of this happened, they drew up like a map of what the cave looked like and what it took to even get there and what they tried to do. And there was like a whole rope system going through to try to, they tried to tie it to his feet and pull him out. Uh, the rope was like rubbing on all the edges of and corners of the rock. So they like installed like pulleys into the rock so it wouldn't like cut the rope. By the time they got there, he was stuck for like two hours, two or three hours upside down. Finally, they get this rope through, pulley system, whatever, tied around his legs and He's hardly budging, and they realize if they pull harder, his legs will break. And at this point, so much like blood or fluid or whatever has gone to his lungs and his brain that if they broke his legs, he would pretty much go into shock and they would lose him. So after all of those efforts, they couldn't pull him out, and they just had to leave him there. And that's his tomb, and they ended up cementing the cave, and you can't go back in. They never recovered his body. It's insane. We'll throw the picture up on the like the infographic on Instagram for sure. <laughs> because just to, this is one of those where you just have to see it to help put all of this in perspective. But it's so sad. Can you imagine making that call of being like, there's nothing we can do. We got to go and leave him. Yeah, I think one part of the article the brother explains while he was there waiting, somebody from the family or some of them, a group of them left to, you know, go get help. So while they were waiting for help to come, his brother was there with him, you know. All he could see is the soles of his feet, like the shoes. And they just like, for the two or three hours while they were waiting, they were just praying, singing like hymns, just like trying to be super hopeful. Even like one of the professional climbers, who was this girl who was able to get all the way to John. 
she got there and she was like, we'll have you out in no time. Like she was pretty confident about it. And then after they went through more of the steps to try and get him out, realized it wasn't possible. So they never recovered his body. Like it's still in there. Like if you were to crawl through, you would see his shoes through that gap. You'd be looking at the soles of his feet, just like his brother. What if they unsealed it and they look in and it's empty? Well, <laughs> or and he's now a subterranean creature or he was consumed by subterranean creatures. You go into the cave and you see a fully stocked bar and movie theater. Wow. <laughs> and you come out and you see the Eiffel Tower. Well, that's a t- <laughs> that's Italian. <laughs> In Australia. Oui, oui. <laughs> What's listen, your best listen. French accent? <laughs> best fr- French accent? Yeah. Omelette du fromage. <laughs> I just watched Dexter's Laboratory growing up is all. Mine. <laughs> he, he, he. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we Bonjour. Bon baguette. <laughs> Well, we just lost all of our French <laughs> listeners. We're like, damn, that's sad that he's dead. Anyway, uh, the French. <laughs> also, all of those references were from our previous episode. <laughs> if you're trying to... Uh, oh, which w- ones? Like uh, the catacombs with the movie theater. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah sure. Also, there was one more we just made. Mm-hmm. We just did like 10 references as a thing, though. Okay. Anyway. That's that's very sad. So Muddy Buddy Cave, it, Nutty Putty. <laughs> Damn, take me there. <laughs> I love Muddy Buddy. Yeah, this the like problem with this cave is, is it's just branding. They need to change the name. Yes, <laughs> that's that's yeah, all. They change it to Muddy Buddy. People are gonna be going in there. Yeah, there you go. Nutty Putty Cave. That's sad. So there's like it's claimed multiple people, or Kevin. Okay, yeah, so he wasn't the first to die. A bunch of people have died in there. He was just the last one. That's why they sealed the so, so many people have died. So our intern Kevin just told us that uh, a lot. Apparently, a lot of people have died in uh, Muddy Buddy Cave, and he this guy was just the last one. And it was like, all right, that's the straw. <laughs> <laughs> the camel's back is broke. broke. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's nuts. But anyway, that's really sad. That just sounds like. Like any type of hike, it's not super wise to leave the main trail. And it sounded like they broke off. And I'm not blaming him for anything. And I mean, if you went through it, it maybe it was probably his fault. It probably was his fault. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But it's like, stick to the trail. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say that. Like, it is. Because sometimes risks pay off. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. yeah. And it's you can never, unless you're a psychic, uh, predict, you know. Bad. So if we have any psychics out there listening to our show, we'd Let love to know. speak with you. <laughs> Madam Cleo, hit us up. <laughs> Professor Trelawney. The Grim. Um, this is sorry. why I can't be in here. I want to comment, too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so our intern, Kevin, is fired. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's a good thing we weren't paying him much. Yeah. One day, boy. Yeah. It was so sad. It was. That's really sad. It really is sad. I don't know. Like, I can send you the article if you yeah. want to read it. Cool. It's it's really interesting to see how it all happened, but it's, That's a stressful it's a bit part. of a heavy read. But did you have anything else on Superstition Mountain? Um. Where where did that happen again? Where is Superstition Mountain? Superstition Mountain is just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. 
and you can see it on the horizon if you're like in Mesa or Queen Creek, Arizona. Hmm. It's just like one lone mountain. Is it surrounded by hills and stuff? Here, let me just pull up a quick pick. It's wild to me when there's just professionals who can't navigate. It's like, how the hell did you get here? Yeah. Bro, that's stressful. That's like my nightmare. Yeah. But you know that there's people, like other professionals who are like, well, I want to be the one to get past this, which is like part not smart, part that's all, admirable. That's also how you get free solo. Yeah. That's how you get an Alex Honnold. You yeah, know? exactly. Just no. push the limit. No. I mean. So this just pops up out of the Arizona desert as you leave Phoenix. Bro, are you sure that's not Race to Witch Mountain with the rock? <laughs> that's where they filmed it, bro. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Is it really? <laughs> I actually have no idea. You I hate you. You. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I hate uh, you. I was. I thought I was so dope in my rock movie references, being that he's my uncle and such. <laughs> anyway, dude, that's crazy. I wonder if people from there have like other stories. I'd love I to mean, know I more. I mean, I imagine there's that, a ton, oh, right? Yeah. Because there's like people who go disappearing in those hills all the time. Mm-hmm. We watched a thing on it and it's like, I, I remember what I'm saying like around the left side of the mountain disappearances that happened and like people's mm-hmm. heads were found and stuff like that. Like yeah. grisly stuff. I also remember hearing a story from someone that I knew when I lived there, but the details are hazy. So I don't want to like tell it, uh-huh. but it talks about a cave system that goes through Superstition Mountain where... A group of pioneers had to take shelter. Wait. Yes, this sounds familiar. To escape from the elements or the Apaches or something. And like I said, the details are hazy, so I don't want to ruin it. But um, something along those lines. Caves, dude. I can't really do caves. I remember we went exploring at this cave in the Philippines. And I went in like quarter mile, maybe half a mile. Not super far, because it went in way deep, like deeper than I went. Uh-huh. But our flashlights weren't super strong, and it was so muddy. And I have bad asthma, and I got to one point where I almost started like hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe. I was like, I need to get out of here right now. Like Ugh, it was terrifying to me. Feeling. And I wasn't crawling through anything. I was just walking. <laughs> in but regular. still, it's just but suffocating. Like, yeah, dude. I just I'm not claustrophobic either. Really, but I don't know. Caves Something about being, wild. yeah, like, I don't know, the air wasn't circulating right in, I don't know. Or maybe it's like it a different it. atmosphere, to be honest. There's like a couple caves up in Washington that I went to when I was living there. One was called Ape Caves that had like tunnels in it. And another was called the Ice Caves, where if it was like sunny outside, there was ice inside of this cave. It was trippy. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. The one that I was at in the Philippines, it was crazy. There were, like, workers in the cave with, like, headlamps and these, like, woven baskets on their back, like, backpacks. And they were hauling rocks. I don't know what for. I didn't really talk to them. They were just, like, sweating profusely. Some of them were barefoot. There was one part I came back out of the cave, and it's super rocky outside. And there was an old lady who was one of the workers old old lady like leathery skin yeah and she was like moving faster than we were barefoot on these rocks and i'm like 
Should have sent her down to rescue that dude. <laughs> she would have. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But, dude, that's fascinating. Um, we'll get up. I have a story. Hey, go. We good? I'm good. Okay. Um, this is something that I never talked about before. I don't know why, but here we are. I feel like we don't have too many of those left. I don't. I I I said that like ten episodes ago, though. And I know. I'm still pulling Everyone, things like, out. I've never told you guys about this. I'm like, what? <laughs> do I know you, bro? Okay. <laughs> there is a place on Oahu, and I grew up really close to this place. The town that I'm from is called Kahalu'u. It's on the east side of Oahu in Hawaii. And Kahalu'u. 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 Yeah, that's my hometown. And um, I was born and raised there. My family's still there. So that I still go home there whenever I visit. But there is a place about 15 or 20 minutes away. So really close. It's called Morgan's Corner. And Morgan's Corner is notorious on Oahu. Everybody who is a local knows about Morgan's Corner. Oof. Supposedly one of the most haunted places in Hawaii. So Morgan's Corner is named after Dr. Morgan. He, uh, in the early 1900s, had uh, his house there, and that's where he would practice. Um, patients would come over and whatnot. His next-door neighbor was an old lady, and she was in her 60s. She was a widow, and she lived in the house by herself. And one, this area is... At the bottom of the Pali Lookout. And if you've listened to previous episodes, and Charles and Sean know what I'm talking about because they've been there, they've visited, and they understand the history. Real short, we've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but Pali Lookout is haunted or allegedly haunted because of the wars that took place back when in Hawaii there's eight islands and they weren't under one kingdom. Each island would fight against each other. There's a huge war at the Pali Cliffs, and they push the whole army off the cliff. So, that whole place is stories of night marchers are there and all these different things. It's just this old, old place. Ton of like forest, really thick and green, humid. So, Morgan's Corner. The, do you know, sorry, do you know the Hawaiian word for spirit? I think. Oh. <laughs> The word that's coming up is uhane, oh. which I've I know and have heard before, but I feel like there's other words. Anyway, I, I was just wondering, like you're saying, it's a really old area, so mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, a lot of spirits. Yeah, yeah. Cut so. that out. But I was just wanting. To no, know. you're fine. Um. Anyway, yeah. So this widow lived there, and this is a a, a real thing that happened. Um. There were two convicts that escaped a prison, and they beat her brutally oh gosh and gagged her with a cloth and she suffocated from that and died so yikes bro that's vicious that's bad yeah and they were like one was 19 one was like 20 young guys um and that happened in like the 40s so take that you take the history of the ancient hawaiian wars that happened in that exact same area you know, where hundreds and hundreds of soldiers fell to their death and you get Morgan's Corner. And this area also has a ton of like banyan trees. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen banyan creepy. trees. I have. They're kind of creepy. They're really beautiful, really cool, but in the right context and in the right darkness. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. creepy because they're huge trees. They have like these thick vines that just fall down. Uh-huh. You know. It looks like a tree like a plastic tree melted or something. It's like <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It almost looks like a like avatar with the blue people. Oh, for sure. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, there's these banyan trees everywhere. So, I've been to Morgan's Corner once. I never had too many friends who wanted to go and visit. Which, you know, is okay and it makes sense and probably uh, better because of it. But one of my friends growing up, his name is Shane. He lived up the street from me. He had a younger brother who was my age. Shane was maybe like four years older than us. And I remember he told me his story of visiting Morgan's Corner. And the way he told it to me, I believe him. So take that for what it's worth. Mm. But he and a bunch of friends went to Morgan's Corner. There's no lights there. Nobody lives there anymore. It's just like an empty space almost in the forest. And there's a part where there's like a roadblock. So they park and get out of their cars. As I say, can you drive to it? That you There's a part where you have to park, which is where they were. And they kept walking up like the path. And that whole place can be Morgan's Corner. And they had flashlights. He had like one of those heavy duty, like what are those, like the mag, mag light. Gun. Yeah, mag light. Oh, nice. Yeah, mag light flashlights. It's like a foot long. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a titanium weapon. It's a steel. weapon and a source of light. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you could murder somebody with that, honestly. <laughs> um, super heavy duty flashlight. And a few other people have flashlights too. And they're walking and he's they're, they're already talking about how just it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right there. They've taken pictures there and you could see like orbs of light. And I don't know how much I believe that kind of stuff with like orbs and pictures. Oh, you mean dust? (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) dust. Um, But the part that has always stuck with me is they get to, it looks like where a house or some type of structure used to be. Can't really see because it's pretty much pitch black there. But there's like almost like a property line, it looks like. And he's pretty much towards the front of the group. He had one friend who was in front of him. And they they all stopped like at this property line. And his friend walks past it. And Shane is shining his flashlight on the left-hand side of the group. And he's panning across from left to right. And as he does that, the beam of light that's just it's like a wide angle lightsaber going into the darkness cutting through the darkness the beam of light stops as if there's a wall in front of them but there is nothing there that he's shining the light on the actual beam of light stopped at one specific part where his friend walked forward into it was just dark it wasn't like there was pitch black there it was just that the beam stopped shining at some point. Wow. Like there was some, in, there were like there was a wall there, but it was invisible. Like and they blocking. could still see their friend. There was still like a glow, like as if someone had put their hand up in front of the flashlight, mm-hmm. but there was no hand. Exactly. Something's blocking the beam. Mm-hmm. Something's Yikes. blocking the beam of light. And as he as that happens, and he notices that, 
He steps forward and grabs his friend, pulls him back, and he says, let's go. Good instincts, bro. <laughs> That's trip. That's dude. creepy. I've never heard anything Me like neither. that Me neither. I was racking my brain just now, and usually I'm like, oh, I've heard a story like that. Nothing like that. That's creepy. And he told me that before I even went, like, in high school with... No, I didn't even go in high school. I went with, like... Every time I go home to Hawaii, I always bring... I try to bring a group of friends with me. And I, I took a group once. And we didn't go super far because all of them were like, I don't want to go further. And I was like, okay, fine. Oh That's my fine. gosh. Obviously, it wasn't you guys who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um So we can try like, where, where is this invisible wall? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just sprinting <laughs> into darkness. Bro. But yeah, that's the story of Morgan's Corner, at least my friend Shane's experience there. Woo. So peculiar, dude. Yeah. And, and I've said it before, but like sometimes just the simple things that are, those are like the creepiest mm-hmm. to me where I'm like, ah. Um, can I just say one more thing? Go for it. Sorry. Earlier... Who was talking about shamans? I think I mentioned it just because you were saying you're cursing people, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perpetually wet socks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most uncomfortable thing ever. Literally so unfortunate. Um, I, right when we started this podcast and I was asking a lot of people, I'm still asking, not as much anymore, but asking friends if they had any scary stories. Do you remember Kenna with the typewriter? Yeah, I met her. Her roommate, Anya, she's from Chicago. She lived in Korea for a little bit. For a little bit, I mean over a year. So kind of a lot of it. I don't know, decent amount of time. Uh Enough to know the lay of the land, you know. Anya had the opportunity to meet a shaman in Korea. And shamanism was something that was really prevalent at one time in the history of Korea. And it's actually a religion. And then when I think it was Buddhism, some other religion was introduced, shamanism was almost just like knocked out of, you know, first place Uh and was almost like looked down upon. Like second class or second option. Even like lower class, like alongside with like poor people. Hmm. It was really strange. But uh, these Korean shamans are called wudang. W-U-D-A-N-G. Wudang. Wudang. And they, one of, one of the things they practiced was exorcisms. Hmm. And there was one that happened in Los Angeles that I would love to share about next time. Oh. You sick. Pee-pee hole, dude. <laughs> See how it feels, though? <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, never done it before. Like it. it feels good, Hey, dude. guys, <laughs> I got a story to tell, too, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Don't even wreck every week. We just keep doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, I'll share. Dude, there's something just extra spicy about an Asian exorcism. Spicy. I like that choice of (laughs) words, dude. Just a bit more soy sauce, (laughs) more wasabi. Asians just know how to be possessed. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Japanese scary movies are. What is wrong with sometimes? What is wrong with us? (laughs) Like the Japanese version of the Grudge. Bro, okay, 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 sorry, one more thing. Okay, I'm like paraphrasing like everything else we do on this show. Yeah, get over it. Um, but uh, there are real estate agents in Japan who specialize in haunted houses. If somebody has died in a house, 
it's common in Japanese culture to believe that the spirit of that person, spirit of the person stays where they died. Huh. I, I guess that's the belief in Japanese culture. So if somebody dies in that house, they stay in the house, their spirit does. And nobody in Japan wants that. So because of that, the cost of that place is significantly lowered. And there are real estate agents who specialize in these haunted houses. That's what's up. And they have the information on the person, how they died, when they died, how long ago it was. And there's a comedian I was watching a video on on YouTube who, uh, he's a starving artist. And he gets his content for his comedy from living in these haunted houses. And it's his jokes are like his experiences with these spirits in all these houses that he lives and it helps with, you know, his career and it helps him save money by living in these houses. Dude, that's efficient, dog. <laughs> so smart. Is he bro. Japanese? So these is Asians, the comedian Japanese? Yes, he's Japanese. Okay, then yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. He's like, how do I capitalize? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a Goza experience. <laughs> I'm part Japanese. Charles is part Japanese. Get over yourself. So I can do that. He can make that joke. We're all about breaking down walls and barriers, being more comfortable and being with each racist. Other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. in a rubbing way. In dude. a rubbing oh way. Gosh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as soon as the next person buys this house, like say uh, the person dies there, so the real estate agent has to, it, like by law they have to tell the next buyer uh-huh. somebody died there. Ugh. If somebody ends up buying it, like this comedian dude. Then the person who buys it after him, you, you don't have to tell that next person oh, dude, so anything. Oh, so he just flipped these. Yeah, so he flips them. Okay, let's move to Japan and buy a studio. So we need to do the same thing for content. Oh, For the yes. gram. Hell yeah, bro. We can give you authentic, much more authentic stories if we were in Japan living in these haunted houses. 3 a.m. sun. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's it on Japan. More to come on Korea. Next time on Freak. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a flight east, bro. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. The Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. Seth. The getter of stories. Oh, gosh. <laughs> when are we going to meet you, Seth? <laughs> I'm not talking to anybody else right now. I'm just talking to you. We'll have you on for a 3 p.m. at one point. Except he won't have any stories because he's given them all yeah. unselfishly to me. Save some of them. Save some of them. Give us 50%. Save 50. And we'll have you on at 3 p.m. So, this is his brother-in-law. And his brother-in-law, much like Seth's older brothers, grew up in the ghetto of Las Vegas. So, his brothers grew up in a super sketchy neighborhood in Las Vegas. It was super common to have your next door be like a drug house or all manner of unsavory activities taking place on your block. Think about, or whatever you can think of, name it. It was going down. So Seth's brother-in-law lived down the street from their cousins. And all the neighborhood kids would kind of hang out. And there was this one group of neighborhood kids that were a little bit further down the road that Seth's brother-in-law's cousins were friend with. So his brother-in-laws were like not not the first point of contact with these kids. They had just hung out with them only because their cousins hung out with them. 
And so eventually they're with their cousins and their cousins are like, Hey, we're going to go over to those kids house. I think it was two brothers. And they're, and they're like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not sure. And they're like, dude, these kids are sport. Like they have the best toys. So they went over there and sure enough, these kids house, they had all of these nice toys, even though it's in this super poor, sketchy place, all these nice toys. And every time they went over there, there was no parents, never saw parents. They said every time they would go to this house, they would get a really intriguing, but like sketchy feeling. Do you remember that as a kid? Did you ever get that? Never, not once. <laughs> yes. I like, you know, when you hang out with like this, this, the, like the little bit sketchy kid, the one who like puts it too far and it's like, you're nervous, but it's really intriguing. Yeah. There was a kid named. Bro, Kendall. on blast. <laughs> there was a kid in our, there was a kid in first grade and it, he was just really, he was nice, but he would just like eat Elmer's glue. You know, you know, you know that kid. Yeah. Eat Elmer's glue. And then we saw on the news that a house burned down. It's because it was him <laughs> playing with matches in the closet. And they moved. Never saw him again. That that kid? Is that what you're talking about? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. But um, nice. Nice kid. <laughs> sure. I had a lot of sketchy friends growing up. And sometimes things were happening. And you're like, I don't know about this. But I also want to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So that's the feeling they got when they went over to this house. But like I said, every time it was the same thing. They would open the door. They would walk straight to the living room, play in the living room with all their toys or in the backyard, and they never saw any parents. Not once. It's a dream. Parents are dead. Okay. (laughs) Straight out the gate. (laughs) Okay, so this time they go over to the house. They're hanging out. But my cousin's brother-in-law says, I need to go to the bathroom. Asked one of the kids, and he says, yeah, all the way down the hall to the left. Okay. He walks down the hall. He's away from the living room. The quiet, the noise of playing dies down, and he's alone in this hall, walking down, about to turn left into this door, when he hears a moan. And it's the moan of a man, and it's a painful moan, not sexual in any way. Oh. Disappointing for some. But for him, he was weirded out. So he's like, he hears it and he pauses. Turns to his left, puts his hand on the handle to go into the bathroom. Hears it again, coming from his right. And he notices that that door on the right is cracked. So he has a decision. And ultimately, his child curiosity overcomes him of course and he slowly steps towards the door on the right that must be the parents room go and get it he wants to peek in and see what's going on so he said he remembers walking up to the door and peeking through the crack in the door and all he can see is a dark room all the lights are off The only light is coming through cracks, like the dim light from outside coming through cracks in the blinds. And as he scans the room, it's a pretty normal looking room until he reaches the corner with his eyes. And there's a man in the corner of the room facing away from him. No. This man's not wearing a shirt. 
and he's on his knees facing the wall. And on his back is covered every inch in open wounds and gashes. And the man's like rocking back and forth on his knees and you can hear him moaning and making these noises. And in between his moans, he hears him say, today I will finally do it. And he looks down at the man's hand and it's clutching something. And he said, he's staring at his hand and it looks like he's holding a pair of scissors, like normal household scissors. So the boy backs up, filled with tear, runs down the hall and grabs his brother and they never go back. After that happened, he said for years he had a reoccurring dream where he would wake up at night and he's standing at the door and the door's open to this room and the man's in the corner, but this time he's standing. And always he'd turn and run, but like many of us have experienced in our life, as he ran away, it felt like he was running through thick water, barely moving, no matter how hard he tried. And the man he would hear come up behind him and grab him by the shirt and pull him into the dark room. And he would lift his scissors at him and right as he like slammed him down into his chest, he'd wake up. So years later, after they've moved away, they've moved to a better part of Las Vegas, they've grown up, they've gone to school. He's hanging out with his cousins who used to live on that same street. He, he decides to ask him about that family. He said, do you remember that family that we used to go to, those two boys? What was their deal? What was their story? I think, oh, dude, we don't know. Like, no, no one knows. He said, did they ever have parents? And they said, they must have had a mom. I saw one time a lady walk in the door. She didn't say anything to any of us and walked straight to the back room and closed the door. But I don't think they had a dad. They never talked about a dad. They only ever mentioned their mom. And so they all just kind of commiserated and were just freaked out by the thing. And he finally told them his experience. Well, damn. Who was that man? It's weird to think that that's like, just like horror stories are taking place next door sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That crap, you never know if it's like taking place down the street or something. True. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have neighbors or somebody in the neighborhood that you were sketched out by like that? Oh man, I shouldn't be saying this story. But you should. Okay, I'm just <laughs> going to tell you guys, don't tell anyone else. <laughs> so, I was like eight, maybe nine, and I got really into doorbell ditching. Please don't judge me for this. <laughs> so, dude, I was straight terrorism the neighborhood. <laughs> I was ringing every doorbell, and I was just gone. Dude, you're crazy, bro. bro. I was loco, bro. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a little bit of a rep. And so this one time I was like just checking off another house, you know, another one of my victims. And so I went up to the door and I was like getting ready to get that doorbell. And what I like to do was kind of hide a place where I could see the reaction, you know. Anyway, that's psychopath talk. <laughs> so as I'm walking up to the doorbell, and I see it's illuminated round body and I'm ready to smash it with my finger, the door starts to open. And I'm like, Ugh! I just like freeze. 
drop to the ground and roll into their flower bed. <laughs> so the do- the front door is like literally right here and I'm laying on the ground like right by the front door. And the door opens and I am just dead still. And I can barely look over. I don't even want to move my eyes. I'm so scared. And I see this huge like leg step out of the door and this man just steps out. And he's like standing like a freaking ring wraith right <laughs> over me. I was literally going to say Just like that. surveying the yard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like oh, holding my breath. And after what I'm sure seems like eternity, he does his scan and he turns. I, I'm waiting for an ar- or hand to come down and grab me and be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but somehow he turns, goes back inside and shuts the door. Paul. So I stand up, fully convinced I am a ninja. I have, <laughs> I have the ability to banish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, I, I am a god. <laughs> and so, like, you the, just leveled up, dude. Yeah, blue plus, <laughs> 10, plus ten sneak. So I, I dip out of there. You know, I know when the block is hot. I know when it's like time to get out. Right. True. Next day, we hitting a ramp with my little scooter, and I'm telling my friend about it. And I like point down the street and I tell him the story and he's like, what? And, he, and I'm like, yeah, dude, like it was insane. And he's like, wait, which house was it? And I point to the house and he goes, that house? I said, yeah, that house. And he goes, dude, that guy's blind. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, gosh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I felt so bad, dude. So so funny. Don't doorbell dish people because they might have a visual impairment and you might feel like a dick for the rest of your life. Hey, that doesn't mean that they're good people, though. (laughs) It could have been a a a veteran. It could have been a dope dope breed situation. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I shouldn't have shared that story. I promise you, I didn't know he was visually impaired. (laughs) It's okay, bro. And I was eight. No worries. All right. It happens. Any more scary stories from us tonight? I think I'm straight. Okay. I got nothing. All right. I have one one experience where I was at scout camp and there was it was near the end of the of the the week at scout camp, right? And so there was a huge bonfire where every troop in the camp was to attend. So everyone gets up and they're like in formation. They're hiking up and they have this whole ceremony. And you hate all the other troops too, don't you? <laughs> Bro, we had mad beef. That's how camp. we were too. It was, like, it was like throwing up your set when like every morning you would yeah. like eye other crews and stuff. Yeah. Bro, we got into so many fights with other <laughs> other <Yeah. laughs> troops. What is that? I, I don't know. <laughs> little Some savages. superiority complex that comes with most males. It's just like group, up group mentality. Yeah. yeah hive mind. Us versus them, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And we it, were like, we joined all these different games and each troop had like, they like first day they made their flag and like their troop name. So we were the Thundercats. Ooh, so hey, somebody boy. would yell, Thundercats, everybody. Oh. <laughs> and we won a lot of games from what I remember. I could be BSing right yeah. now, but whatever. It's my, my mind. My I'm, memory. Yeah. I'm a winner. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> uh, I think we were the Raptors, so a little bit lamer. <laughs> so we're done at the big powwow, the big fire, and me and a friend decide we're going to run down the path as fast as we can, and we're going to scare some mofos. So I'm 12, sprint down this path, and we climb a tree. 
and we wait until the perfect victim. There's a kid who looks like he's like 16, pretty old, and he's walking with his what looks like to be a troop leader. So we jump out of the tree and go, ah! And this 16-year-old boy who's like four years older than me at the time goes, and just starts bawling. (laughs) (laughs) Runs to his dad. And his dad grabs him and starts patting him on the on like the shoulder as he's crying. And I'm just sitting there like (laughs) (laughs) And his dad's like, I hope you're proud of yourself. (laughs) And they walk crying down the path. And I was like, oh gosh. (laughs) Like I was uh, embarrassed for him. I was like, grow up, dude. <laughs> it's just a scare. That that dad was the blind dude. Oh, <laughs> it all comes back. Oh. Anyway. Cut it all. Everything I said from this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Funny. I liked your coming of age stories. Cool. Um, I think that's good. How are you guys feeling? Sean? Pretty decent. Charles, ready to fall asleep. Sam, thanks everyone for listening in. We love and appreciate you. If you have stories, send them in. We've had people record voice memos and send those. Those have been cool. Email 3ampodcaststories at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram at 3ampod. Mm-hmm. Either or, get those stories to us. We want to hear them. We're anxious, we're excited. Uh, Who do we shout out this episode for the episode? Shout out Seth, as always. Shout out Shane from Morgan's Corner. Shout out Arizona and them uh, <laughs> them uh, Jesuit priests that telling them Apaches to save their gold. Oh, nice. Um, but on the real, thank you for the love and support. It means freaking lot to us. We so were, much, so much. Yeah. Um, it's It's spooky time. I know. We're officially in October. I'm stoked. We're going to be going to FearCon in Salt Lake City. If you're going to FearCon, look out for us. Come say hi to us. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to talk to as many people as we can. Hopefully get some stories. Yeah. Um, Also, check out our watch list that has been out already. But uh, we have a scary movie for every day. It's a lot of movies. We're definitely not watching every single one. In fact, we haven't so far. But uh, there are some favorites on there that are bolded. And we're committing to those ones. And uh, if you have a free night on one of those days, check out the list. See uh, which one you should watch. Watch along with us. So. Yeah. All of you out there, bye, love you, be safe. Trust your gut, watch your back. Yeah, well, thanks for listening to our episode today. <laughs> <laughs> if you got through. <laughs> All right, folks, you the real one. See ya. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com.